0: and thank you for joining us on 1991 movie rewind in life stinks goddard bolt played by mel brooks is one of the richest people in the country in order to expand his empire he plans to buy a large destitute section of the los angeles area and build expensive properties there a competing businessman has the same idea and buys half of the needed land they agree to a bet bolt must spend 30 days living on the streets homeless with no resources or money if he can do it he gets the rights to develop Otherwise, his rival will take it all. Screenplay by Mel Brooks, Rudy DeLuca, and Steve Haberman, directed by Mel Brooks, and released on July 26, 1991. Have you seen Life Stinks? No,
1: I have not. Me either.
0: <laughs> it's a very much a forgotten Mel Brooks movie, I think. Yeah,
1: I remember this, the cover of the VHS tape.
0: I barely do. I, when I think of Life Stinks and when I see even like the font and everything, my mind goes to the movie Life with Eddie Murphy that was released oh. later. Because it's very similar in that same like big red, bold lettering mm. and white with the, the characters in front of it. But yeah, that's... Um, Life is probably a better movie than Life Stinks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know this movie was... Uh, in 1991, I guess I thought this was earlier because it, it seems has that like
0: vibe. Yeah, it,
1: I I when watching it, I was like, "How and why?" Because before this was Spaceballs. Yeah. After this, right. Robin Hood right. Men in Tights. Yeah. Those are like my two favorites. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like that's why I was thinking, how and why.
0: Yeah, it's so much it was just different than most of what you know of Mel Brooks because it's yeah. not a parody movie. It's not smoothing no. a genre at all. It's not even like trying to reference other movies within the context of the situation.
1: It was like maybe... I wonder... I didn't really look it up, but I wonder if he was just writing this and it took him a while. This is more of like a romantic
0: comedy yeah. in a way. yeah. I think that's sort of the intention. Yeah. Um. I also was reading like in the trivia that it's also one of the few movies where he does not directly address the camera ever. Mm-hmm. Because in most of the movies, him yeah. or someone else will break the fourth wall and be like, "Can you believe this shit that we're dealing with?" Type right. of a thing. And that does not happen here at all.
1: Like he was trying to make a serious movie.
0: Yeah, kind of with some jokes mixed in. And and I'll say like right off the bat that I think that this is probably the best movie in terms of acting performance from Mel Brooks. Like his performance as like a legitimate actor is the best we've ever seen in this movie. Okay. But comedy-wise, mm. it is mm-hmm. not what you expect from Mel Brooks. I think if it was anyone else besides him, you'd probably give it a little bit more leeway and you'd like see some of the influence. There's definitely some Mel Brooks style Uh, you know elements in there like at the very beginning when you have like you know he's getting out of the car and they're all walking along the business uh, office and everything and and he slips in some spilled coffee and so everyone who's following him his like pack also has to slip in the coffees in Mm -hmm. solidarity like stuff like that and using props as euphemisms for boners like that kind of thing is still in here Mm -hmm. but for the most part it really does take a lot of it seriously Mm mhm with like sprinkling of humor which is much different i yeah it's it's tough to know where to start with this one Uh, um,
1: i mean you pretty much said in the summary
0: yeah but i don't know yeah i mean they start off in the the office and basically he's this ruthless businessman And, you know, they're talking about how they're going to have to cut down the rainforest to do some other option. And, you know, the lawyers that he's with are all trying to convince him that it's such a bad idea to do that. You know, like, oh, we'd have to, you know, cut down this entire section of the rainforest. And he's like, so? Well, there's this tribe that lives there and that's the only place that they have. And, you know, you shouldn't. You know, they're going to be displaced and out of homes, so... Yeah,
1: he just didn't care. And in my mind, I started thinking, um, is this going to be, like, another other people's money?
0: Yeah, I definitely want to compare it to other people's money. I think because, like, they're both supposed to be comedies in some degree, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously other people's money is more
0: satirical than meant to be laugh out loud. This is supposed to be more laugh out loud. But... I feel like this may have even, like, explored a couple of those themes better than other people's money. Yeah. And I wish, yeah, I wish that they both didn't exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could have combined the two into, like, one better movie, possibly. I don't know exactly how, Like, but... this
1: this could have been, um, like, Danny DeVito in this part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would have Instead been fine. Mel- like,
1: Mel Brooks directed and wrote it didn't yeah. have to star in did it did
0: not have to star in it other than the fact that he likes to you know star in usually star yeah. in his own movies or at least have some bit part um yeah I don't think he was right for the part even ex- except for you know maybe based on age because of the like love interest that he has with like Leslie and Warren and stuff it just seemed like it was probably meant or better suited for someone a little bit younger than him um so yeah he, they go through all these different options and then he's like i'm gonna turn this slummy part of los angeles into what i call the bolt center named after himself and like he brings down this like new model off from the ceiling which crushes the old model that's right there uh it's like something of a you know visual humor thing and then he has this big old tower in the middle and he frames it in such a way that the tower is used to like convey his erection you know, like, it's mm. like, you know, here's my boner of all the stuff I'm going to do. And then you get a call or, or a visitor in, in terms of the other businessman, Crasswell, and then, like, the tower slumps over to indicate, you know, he went yeah. limp. So, like, that's the kind of thing that it starts off as, and then it becomes a lot slower at points and a lot more serious as you go through and, and deal with the actual aspects of being homeless because they too. You know, those two come up with the idea of, you know, having the the bet of, you know, he will live on the streets for 30 days without any money. um, Can't use his name. uh, You know, can't tell anybody who he is or anything and has to do everything. He has to wear an ankle bracelet to make sure he stays within the vicinity and doesn't, you know, get out of bounds. Um, And then whoever wins gets all of the property that the other person owns and can do whatever they want with it. Yeah. And so, since the vast majority of the movie is him, like, on the streets as uh, a homeless person, it already sort of gets into dicey territory of, like, are they going to make fun of...
1: Homeless people? Homeless people. They didn't
0: And they really. don't, really. Yeah. You know? And they also don't really make fun of the rich people, either. You know, like, I guess it's the whole thing of, like... I'm watching a Mel Brooks movie, I'm expecting them to parody somebody. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing they really do is like the cavalcade of lawyers that surrounds both of them, you know, are underhanded and doing whatever else. And their response is, well, what do you expect? We're lawyers. Right. What I want to say, I think, is uh, I don't think that they did a very good job of explaining the time frame in this movie either.
1: Oh, yeah, because I thought a week went by yes. when this was supposed to be 30 days of him on the streets.
0: Yeah, so he's on the street. I think they would have easily been able to fix that problem with just like a little bit of a like a title card or something. You know, like a little... Um, oh,
1: like seven days later. Yeah,
0: just like mm, day one know. in the corner or oh, something okay. like that. Yeah, or day seven in the corner. Something like that would have been helpful because, okay, they shave his uh mustache off because he's wearing his typical villain mustache like you saw in Spaceballs mm-hmm. at the start and he has a toupee which they rip off and make a big deal out of that in terms of a joke which isn't really a joke um
1: he wears a business suit he wears a
0: suit which is ripped a little bit and that's his entire outfit for the entire time right um but his like stubble is there like right away And it's the same exact facial hair and stubble from day one as day 30, which made it really hard to tell. Mm,
1: Okay, (laughs) yeah.
0: Like, that's one of the visual cues that I was going off of. Like, well, much time must not have passed because, you know, their facial hair is exactly the same. Yeah, it
1: would have grown to a beard.
0: Yeah. Or they could have at least shown him shaving somehow to make it make sense. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that the clothes don't change... Not a whole lot happens in terms of like story or anything that helps you indicate that time is passing happens in this. It's just all of a sudden someone, uh, you know, outside of the circle, like, like there's an exterior shot of, you know, Craswell and and his attorney is saying, there's only three days left and he's going to make it. And like, oh, Really?
1: I mean, the first two nights, you can tell, you know, the first night he was walking around trying to find a place to sleep, Mm -hmm. couldn't, finally found, like, a box or whatever, and then the next morning is when he meets other homeless people, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of kicks off from there, so you know night one and day two, but then after that... It's all blur. It's all just, it seems as if it's a week, <laughs> like a week went by. I guess we can get to, I don't know, the, the, the quote love story. I don't know. Just how the way that progressed.
0: Yeah, there wasn't much opportunity to progress anything. Because
1: it seemed as if, it didn't
0: show as if they were in love. No not at all i mean uh, so th- they first meet because his shoes get stolen and he chases the thugs into or the ch- the thugs chase him into leslie ann warren's who plays molly uh molly's like little section of an alley and yeah, then she scares mean. them away but they yeah. still get his shoes and she lets him well, she's like, hey, you, you're collection. a size whatever. Yeah, like 9D or something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> 9 and a half d which was standard. I had to look it up. I was like, you mean Yeah, we didn't d? know what D meant in terms of shoe it size. It means standard size. <laughs> so. And she had like a pile of shoes and gave him some shoes. Yeah. And then, you know, and they just kind of... he dogs
0: her because he doesn't know how to be homeless and she's going to show him the ropes. And so he just like follows her around because he right. doesn't know she's anything. Right. She's like, let me show
1: you where we can go get food. Let me show you how I get money. I collect cans. I do this. Yeah. And how she made her home, I guess. I mean, she made this little corner with just boxes and piles of random things. Mm-hmm. Her
0: home. Exactly.
1: And she, and yeah she was like follow me and I'll show you how I do it I guess
0: yeah and they have like a couple short sequences before that of him trying to make money by like doing the washing windows things like he's observing someone else do it and then he tries to do it and it goes disastrously yeah wrong and, right yeah and, where he sees like a little kid dancing for money and you know like
1: he tries to do and that then he and... tries to
0: do the exact same thing but no one cares because he's like a 60 year old man yeah. Doing what, you know, a five-year-old is doing. <laughs> and, right. and it's no one not cares cute when some... he does Yeah, it. and
1: no one cares about some 60-year-old man spinning yeah. around and dancing.
0: Yeah, and so, I mean, there's a little bit of that. Um, but the movie definitely touches on a lot of what you know as, like, the standard, homeless, conventional tropes. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, yeah, so Molly takes Bolt to the mission... And oh, before that actually, um
1: I mean he meets
0: Bolt meets Sailor first. Yeah,
1: yeah. The in the first night first morning, I guess. Yeah,
0: he finds a box to sleep in and then this one homeless guy is peeing, peeing on, on it when he wakes up. And then he, he wakes lie. up
1: and he's like, Whoa, hey, 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 what are you doing? And yeah. then that the homeless guy whose name well in the movie his name is Sailor.
0: He's, his name is Sailor because he was nearly in the Navy.
1: Yes. <laughs> and he he wears, like, a Sailor cap
0: yeah. thing. Yeah, he wears an outfit.
1: And he was like, oh, I pee here every morning, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right, I, didn't yeah. know I didn't know that anyone lived exactly, here. This is
0: my spot for my morning pee. Yeah. Um, and,
1: and uh, I mean, so, yeah, he, Mel Brooks, or Bolt, wakes up, and he has, like, a... Uh, the word Pepto kind of cemented on his forehead. Yeah, in sort a, of
0: like marker. Yeah, thing. it's kind
1: of like the, the box print just kind of—I don't want to say melted on his. Yeah, you it's know, like,
0: his head was the silly putty to the box's newspaper. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> like, so
0: it absorbed the printing. Yeah, o- onto overnight. his
1: skin. Of his forehead, so his forehead says Pepto, but it's backwards.
0: And so Sailor gives him the nickname Pepto, and that's just that's what his he, name. That's what he goes by. Yeah, because <laughs> he doesn't crack them, and he's not uh, not he's allowed like, to invoke okay, his own actual Pepto. name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they go to the mission, and, and they see Sailor, and we also meet uh, the other man in the gang, Fumes. Um... And I believe he's called that because of how much alcohol he drinks for the most part. Right. And then I think it just... Drinks very hard, <laughs> very, like, very strong with, stuff. Yeah. Gives off fumes. Um, and then, yeah, they become like a, a group of people who travel together and do that.
1: Just try to survive on do the streets stuff. together. Yeah. And 30 days b- go by, I guess Yeah, I don't... <laughs> 30
0: days go by I mean, obviously some stuff happens Like, you know, uh, Molly's home is um, burned in a fire Because the thugs that she scared off Come back and take revenge
1: um, Yeah, they set so. her whole little camp, I guess, on fire
0: And there's like a couple little spots Where Craswell, the other businessman Is trying to sabotage Bolt a little bit um and so like you know there's a massive rain and he orders that the mission that they would all go for refuge to be closed and so they're like flooded out and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um but not a whole trying to
1: make him give up yeah i
0: suppose but there really isn't a whole lot of that same manipulation it just sort of like it's just normal like hey how do i find food oh what am i going to do for a little bit extra cash Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I need to get my clothes dry. or I don't know. Um, just, like, little stuff like that that happens here and there.
1: Yeah, the whole... Th- I don't know. The whole thing with these thugs...
0: The thugs were really bad actors. Oh, yeah. They're extreme... Like, even for, like, 90s comedy standards, it was painful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it, it That whole conflict between the thugs and him and molly that felt like a three-day rift Mm -hmm. i didn't know it was a well i mean again i just didn't know this was throughout the month but it just seemed as if one day she scares away the thugs next day they come set her area on fire third day they're like oh let's get let's get revenge revenge Here's plan. Chase yeah. them to
0: this place and we'll burn them with scalding soup that we stole from the chinese restaurant You're right yeah and um, that's, that's it, it. That's i it. thought i thought
1: that was over a span of three days but that was probably over a span of throughout that month they don't really
0: yeah it's possible that they they don't really have any way to indicate that to us but that fight scene was really the only time that the ankle bracelet comes into play because he's mm-hmm. being chased, and then he gets uh, like chased beaten up out by the, the thug. you know, over the curb, and that sets off the alarm on his ankle bracelet. Yeah, because he can only they kind of throw him like...
1: across the street, and then that. I guess that street is, that was the is the boundary.
0: So on the other edge of the street, he's out of bounds. So he has to keep coming back to get beat up because he can't be out of bounds for more than 30 seconds or else he'll lose. Right. So he doesn't want to, but he has to go back into the fight.
1: And then these two guys are like, you want to get beat up? Yeah. Like what the-
0: <laughs> And then he's like crawling back. He's like, let me just put my ankle on the curb, please. Yeah. Right. So I mean... I wish there was a little bit more about that like you know part of what made Brewster's Millions fun right? you know look at another movie where someone's trying to accomplish a goal you have another side that's sort of trying to sabotage them and there are weird strict rules that you can't tell the other person you know, the people involved about right? so mm-hmm. like Brewster's Millions you have to spend all this money in order to get more money but you can't tell anybody why you're doing it you can't tell them what the end goal is and so on and so forth I wish there was more of that type of conflict in this. Mm-hmm. But instead it's like... This
1: was the only conflict.
0: Yeah, this is like the only potential conflict. The only other scene where it comes up is when he's trying to, you know, he's in like that, um, that I don't want to say motel, um, the place where he's trying to get the room at the very beginning. Right. It costs $2.50, but he has no money. And so like he's immediately trying to leverage his wealth by saying... If you let me stay here, I'll get you like $200 in 30 days. Right. And the guy's like, "Okay, no problem. Just give me a down payment of $2.50 first." Right.
1: And then he's like, "I'll give you $10,000." Right. And then he's like, "I'll give you $20,000." And the, and the guy is just like, "Okay, as long as you give me the $2.50 now."
0: Right. Oh, uh Flop House. I wrote it down cuz uh. um side note about that uh actor i want to mention real quickly first he was in bugsy he was frank costello in bugsy which i did not recognize his name is Hmm. carmine caridi um (laughs) he's also going to be in femme fatale Uh, he was in godfather 2 and 3 the reason i wrote him down uh is because he is one of only four people who have had their academy membership revoked okay you know the the academy awards Mm -hmm. oscars um the other 3 are Harvey Weinstein, Roman Polanski, Bill Cosby.
1: Why this guy? What did he do?
0: He he was attached to illegal copies of screeners being distributed on the internet. So he let someone borrow his copies of movies mm. and then that person put them on the internet and it had like his watermark with like his, you know, information mm, okay, on there or whatever. Yeah. And so the Academy whether it was intentional or not, whether there was money in exchange or not, it's like this is unacceptable. You're out of the academy. So it's those three fuckos and then Carmine and Creedy. Mm. So, <laughs> just a weird little side note. You know, the rules of the game don't really factor into the plot like at all. That's really what I'm trying right, to say. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, the other part I mean, there's was near the end of the month, I suppose, where he and Molly are all of a sudden in love with each other
0: yeah well actually there's one other thing I do want to get to before we talk about that if you don't mind okay Uh, and that's uh, that you know they do face the reality of like homelessness in terms of like the death as well because shortly after they get flooded out Sailor passes away in the middle of the street Mm -hmm. because he's getting sick and you know all the the rain and water maybe pneumonia or who knows what but you know he dies in the street um, in front of a shop and the shop owner who is played by the guy who played the uncle in UHF uh, Stanley Brock was the actor's name um, he you know basically he's like not treating them as human he's like get this guy out of here like hey can you just like push him off to the side he's blocking right. traffic and
1: like he has no remorse whatsoever for... yeah
0: so like they do go into a lot of the you know again the themes that you would expect to see in this Right. Uh, not as deeply as something like Fisher King obviously They don't really get into like mental health side of things too much, other than the fact that Molly says that she oftentimes, I think she said when she was explaining how she became homeless, it seemed like she was saying that she was quote unquote crazy and now is just using it as a defense mechanism to keep people away from her. That's the impression I got from her conversation, but maybe I'm wrong um and she's just been pretending the entire time but beyond that they don't really get into the mental health aspect of the whole thing
1: yeah
0: um but yeah so like i think where the love story starts to really take hold is like right when like the 30 days has passed and he's all happy he's like i did it i did it i did it and then they find a clothing warehouse
1: Yeah, but then he tells her, you know, I'm rich and I made this bet.
0: Yeah, but never tells her what the bet was specifically. Right. And I don't know, like, they could have added, like, a little bit more humanity and conflict in there by saying, by having him...
1: Live on the streets, he now feels...
0: Yeah, he clearly feels, like, differently about what he wants to do with the space. Right. But, like, he could have, you know, there could have been more conflict or something else in the movie by having him explain that his intention was to win the bet so he could tear the whole thing down. Yeah, but he didn't... But he didn't even say say what the bet was.
1: Now he wants to, you know, help the homeless.
0: Right. Which they explain, like, at the very end is, like, the epilogue of the whole thing.
1: Right. But, yeah, he didn't tell her, hey, I made this bet and I'm really rich and I'm going to tear this entire neighborhood down yeah. and make like condos
0: said, or whatever he could have at least said hey i'm really rich and now i own this entire area. Yeah, yeah he
1: could have you know told the truth and then maybe that would have been more conflict because that would make molly feel like shit she'd be like oh so you're gonna take my home you were gonna take my home right away from me yeah but they no they don't
0: no they don't do anything that could
1: they have been another thing but yeah. it wasn't
0: but yeah, yeah, they, they, find yeah, a way they fall is, in love somehow. They fall in love very, very quickly, just like everything else happens very quickly. And they do a little dance number off the bed as one inside this, like, clothing warehouse area. That, that they
1: <laughs> yeah, that set, I don't know, I was like, what is, it It looked like it was supposed to be, like, a set for a play like for cats or something. It was just like randomly like neatly piled clothes yeah. in random parts of a warehouse and they start, you know, dancing around cuz she, she the other thing is that she said she used to be a Broadway dancer.
0: Yeah. Before before getting married became, and ruining yeah. her life by getting yeah. married and having him leave her. Well, she didn't have him leave her. He left her. Yeah, <laughs> her yeah. husband left her. Yeah,
1: her husband but yeah, so her husband left her, and then she just had nothing, She had I nothing, because
0: she didn't have a job. She quit her job to be with him. Right. He, he left her. He didn't ha- She did have her enough anything. money to... Right, didn't leave for anything. She didn't have enough money to pay for the mortgage, and bills piled up and... Right,
1: and then she gone.
0: came home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're in this, like, warehouse or... or maybe whatever it's 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 a big place with a bunch of clothes yes um, like and then, strategically like
1: strategically dance... piled clothes <laughs> it's yeah. just, like the set was really odd to me
0: and then a dance number breaks out because they're celebrating with champagne and whatever and like it becomes like a fantasy sequence again sort of like fisher king Yeah, yeah and i would even equate it a little bit to doc hollywood and probably like a little bit more effective than doc mm. hollywood like showing their love growing through this dance number yeah um because like you it transitions to fancy lighting and there's a spotlight following her and she's like you know swaying and you know twirling all around these different outfits and everything the lights
1: dim and she has like her own little number she does
0: yeah and there's like sweeping camera work for the first time in the whole movie and so like it's not funny but it's still like a nice like this whimsical yeah yeah, it's a nice whimsical scene. That's a good word for it. Um, and then afterwards, they... Decide to... Get ready to get down to business. Right. <laughs> and she's
1: got, like, 73 pairs of shirts on. I mean, yeah. that part made of... me laugh. Yeah. Because she's like, take me, take me now. And he's it's like, like I'm getting there. I'm getting... Like, I'm trying, I'm trying. But that also kind of remind remind me of, like, young Frankenstein, you know, the part where she's, like, roll, roll, roll in the hay. Mm-hmm. Like, this was, like, I don't know if that was, like, a callback to, like, rolling in a pile of clothes.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Like, he does tend to repeat not exact word-for-word jokes, but, you know. Scenes? Yeah, like, situations and stuff like that, so it could be. Um...
1: So, yeah, I mean that that part was that made me laugh a little bit because she's like, "Take me, take me now," and he's like, "I'm getting there." And she's she's honestly she has like 20 pairs of like shirts and dresses, yeah. layered.
0: Yeah, I mean there are a couple of good good scenes in there. There's just not mm. much, and there's they're few and far between. The next part where they go back to Bolt's house, where there's supposed to be the celebration of him winning the bet, he learns that Craswell had. Uh, um, like, colluded with his attorneys in order to uh, take his ignore house. things. Yeah, take his house, take all of his possessions because uh, Bolt had given them power of attorney before he left yeah. to handle his business affairs. And so they used that to be underhanded and take all of his stuff, uh, including the house, and sign it yeah. over to Craswell. Um, so that leads to like a little scene where sort of like the jerk he's going around his house and like saying I'm gonna take this I'm gonna take this piece mm-hmm. of art I'm gonna take this piece of art like yeah. he's like carrying all this like lunky shit and like trying to escape the house and security obviously stops him um and then he basically just goes like legitimately crazy after
1: right that. yeah after that
0: um he gets into a slapping match with another you know homeless person I mean that, claims to be that
1: was funny cause J. this Paul guy Getty. is like no I'm rich
0: yeah I'm richer than you I'm J. Paul Getty um You know, like the Getty Museum in in L.A., if you might not know. Um, By the way, that person's played by one of the writers, Rudy DeLuca. That's who was J. Paul Getty, was one of the writers of the movie. Um, And so Bolt gets institutionalized, basically, because he's, like, beating up on this homeless person and claiming he's rich when he's not. And, you know, everyone thinks he's crazy. yeah,
1: that scene was funny, because... As Mel Brooks or Pepto or Bolt or whatever yeah. <laughs> is getting pulled away by the cops, J. Paul Getty screaming, I'm still richer than you. And then that just like yeah. riles him up even more. He's like, let me at him. Yeah,
0: and like stops the ambulance and they get out and right. attacks him again. Um, I also want to make a quick note that one of the paramedics that picks him up in that scene is a person named Danny Wells who played Luigi in the Mario Brothers Super Show.
1: So okay. Mario Brothers, you know, yeah. like Captain
0: Lou Albano. Mm-hmm. Luigi. And then we see another 1991 movie with a crazy packed hospital.
1: hmm This is like,
0: like is, is Tumblr a thing? Like, is that still a thing? Like, get, like, a Tumblr post of, like, all the different, all the like, 1991 hospitals. hospital scenes.
1: I mean, that also made me think of going back to the beginning where he's walking into the office but it didn't really happen but another thing that happens in like 80s and I guess early 90s movies like office setting movies when the boss walks in yeah. and everyone has to stop shoes and they only just showed their shoes so you couldn't see yeah. other people in the hallways yeah you they know? weren't
0: stopping you just heard the good mornings and yeah you
1: you heard good morning good morning good morning good morning yeah but I'm assuming that everyone stopped in the hallways to right. say good morning to their boss. And, yeah. you know, they it's another tumbler thing, we <laughs> we do, like yep. walking through hallways of office so buildings.
0: Someone wants to go ahead and take that, go ahead and do that. Uh,
1: I always come up with these weird ideas. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, it's too much work. Too much
0: work. And then uh, skip ahead. He comes out of it. You know, he's, he's out of the hospital, he's living back in the street, and then they're going to have a, uh, Crasswell's going to have a party uh, at the construction site uh, to, you know, celebrate his new construction that he's about to start. There's equipment there, and then uh, Bolt slash Pepto, along with the other the other homeless population, decides to fight back, and they stop all the equipment and they crash the party. Uh, that scene and also
1: made me laugh. That was probably the funniest yeah. scene.
0: Yeah, it's like the first part and the last part are the Mel movie. Brooksian. Yes, and then the rest of it is like a like a standard w- not wan- so great romantic comedy.
1: Yeah, like a wannabe serious romantic comedy i don't know but yeah that that party scene was when i started to laugh Yeah, (laughs) because i was not like
0: that one homeless guy who like you know grabs like this not a woman like this you know hoity-toity woman who's like do you come here often yeah and then (laughs) shall we dance yeah the way he's talking to her (laughs) and then they like end up together at the end and everything and she catches the bouquet at the wedding uh, spoilers. I know. Well, every single episode has spoilers. I know. <laughs> this podcast. um So yeah, they get married and everything. But yeah, before that even happens, Bolt slash Pepto yeah. ends up winning because they fight their construction uh, equipment like animals, like, like it has like, dinosaurs and yeah. stuff like that. No.
1: Or it was trying to be kind of like it's like
0: King Kong ish godzilla Yeah, that's a like
1: because they were making the noises.
0: Yeah, and they even had like fake blood like when one crunches onto the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they make the machinery bleed. So, you know, like, that type of absurdity is mostly missing from this movie, but it shows up right there in that right, gag Right, right, right. Um, and so, yeah, like uh, Crasswell acknowledges that the bet was real and so he Bolt wins, he gets to develop the whole thing and, and he decides to make a uh, you know, like so, something is. of a homeless sanctuary, um, right. as part of the thing with like no cost housing and whatnot. And then they get married. Pepto and Molly get married, and Molly takes all of the cans that, from the back of the limo that would normally be making noise to they mm-hmm. just married, and is like, "Do you know how much this is worth?" And then they drive off. They
1: drive off, and the vanity plate of the limousine says Pepto. Pepto yes. Uh, th- like another shout out is they show so the church that they got married in was in, you know, the slums that they mm-hmm. were, you know, in that neighborhood. Yeah. And earlier in that movie they show a wedding and they have these two interpreter guys that come out.
0: Well, yeah, they have like the priest and then the priest's interpreter for the Spanish. For the Spanish yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. That that part was funny as well.
0: Yes. The interpreter. And the priest was Paulie Shore's dad, Sammy Shore. Mm. So, um...
1: Yeah, the Spanish interpreter would, you know... The priest he would, he would, would over, say something. He would, he would over exaggerate yeah. movements, especially. He'd when be talking like, about "Have the a honeymoon. great, yeah, <laughs> yeah, have a great honeymoon." Like the priest says, "Have a great honeymoon." The interpreter is, you know, miming like sexual moves and stuff, and yeah. then the priest is like, "I'm not saying, like, I am not like whatever you're saying is not what I said."
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and that and it. that
1: happens at the end of the movie too. Yeah, the same interpreter
0: situation. And that's how the movie ends. Yep. Um, so overall, you know, it, it could have been worse. It could have been better. Um, but I mean, I think I, I, I think it's a very tricky subject matter to deal with in terms of comedy. And I think it could have used a little more Mel Brooks flair overall. Mm. But uh, at least it didn't like make fun of the homeless. So yeah it tried to say you know here's here's the plight um and inject a little bit of humor but just didn't do that well anything else we missed no okay uh quickly talk about cast and crew that we haven't touched on already so we already know about mel brooks right he's um he is our second egot winner in the podcast first was Mike Nichols if you remember Mm -hmm. Mel Brooks has an Oscar win for the screenplay for the producers in the 1960s Um, he has uh, Grammy wins for his you know comedic work he has uh, Emmy wins I didn't write down what he won everything for but obviously he (laughs) won Tonys for the producers as well he has Emmy wins I think mostly for guest spots on like Mad About You if I remember right Um, Grammys for like 2000 year old man albums I believe is what that was for um, you know Mel Brooks. We talked about some of his movies already here. Uh, Rudy Deluca is a very you know common collaborator with Mel Brooks. Also worked on the Carol Burnett show back in the day. Um, he played Vinny in Spaceballs who was the Pizza the Hut goon, yeah, like in the metallic suit. Mm-hmm. So he's always like has some sort of a role in that stuff. And then Steve Steve Haberman um, was the other writer. He was a three time Emmy nominated. Writer for Outstanding Variety Specials, starring Mel Brooks, which I don't remember any of those existing in the early 2000s, but (laughs) they all did, and they all got Emmy nominations. Um, He and Rudy also wrote Dracula Dead and Loving It, and Screw Loose, which was a a later uh, Mel Brooks movie as well. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren, Oscar-nominated for Victor Victoria. Emmy-nominated for Family of Spies. She was in Mission Impossible, the TV show. Uh, later on, you know, she took over for a departing actress there, and she's also a Razzie nominee for *The Color of Night*.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I don't remember it, her in that movie. Me but... either.
0: I mean, her character was super hammy in this. She was like probably the most like flamboyant and over the top out of all the actors in this entire yeah. movie. And I know it like had something of a purpose, she liked to really, you know mime or you know reenact certain things as she explained things and this very boisterous performance but it felt oddly out of place considering everything else is relatively low-key by comparison
1: i mean she's also mostly known for being miss scarlet yes clue. yes <laughs> i was like where i'm like are you gonna continue <laughs> yeah i guess i just sort of <laughs> mean, I, I go on tangents you know I, I know but i was like that's what how i know her
0: yeah um, I want to talk about uh, the, the two other uh, homeless people in the crew. Fumes was played by Teddy Wilson, who passed away in 1991 before this movie was released. Um, he was in um, sitcoms like That's My Mama, yeah, Good Times, and a couple episodes of What's Happening and What's Happening Now. Um, Howard Morris, who played Sailor, is well known to kids of our era. He was very much a, a prolific voice actor who did voices of people like Wade Duck in Us Acres, Sweet Chuck in the Police Academy cartoon, he, Galaxy High, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Flintstones, Flintstones Jetsons, Shirt Tales. He was Jughead in the Archie cartoons. He did Adam Ant. He was Gopher in the Winnie the Pooh series. And on TV commercials, he was the Hamburglar, Mayor McCheese, and the Professor in all of those McDonald's commercials. Wow. He wasn't always hamburger. He took over for somebody, but he was always, oh, (laughs) Craswell. I've been saying his name, but I haven't said the actor's name. Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, and I'm not a fan. (laughs) I know. Like I'm a fan. Like he's, he's obviously done good work as an actor. He's a two time Emmy winner for transparent. You know him for arrested development, Larry Sanders. Um, but just as a human being, um, yeah yeah a couple of other. i mean a lot of the lawyers have like well-known parts but they aren't in the movie a whole lot the one i probably want to mention the most is Stuart Pankin, who plays pritchard he's like the main lawyer he has a very recognizable like rounder face um he's the one who's like what do you expect we're lawyers mm-hmm. um he was on not necessarily the news which won a cable ace award he was earl sinclair in the dinosaurs sitcom he okay. was the voice of earl sinclair that's probably his most famous role he was in Fatal Attraction, Second Sight, younger viewers or listeners of us might know him from the Disney comedy Xenon, uh, Girl of the 21st Century, because he played Commander Plank in that. Um, and he's also going to be in the 1991 movie Mannequin on the Move. So we can talk about him more then if we need to. Carmen Filippi, he played Pops, who was in the, the uh, we didn't even talk about the scene. Oh, about. The, the 11's older,
1: up. Yeah, the older man. The older
0: man at the mission who was like you right. know, clearing out tables and, and offering food. He played pops. And, and um, 11's up is what Sailor said means you're close to death. Like when your necks look like leavens popping out of your neck. Mm-hmm. And that means your time is almost done. Um, I was getting confused with Carl Oldie Olsen, but he's not. Uh, Carmen Filippi is the older man in Wayne's World. And also the guy at the bar and The Wedding Singer. Oh, okay. So if you've seen either of those two movies, that's who it is. Um, he's also going to be in the 1991 movie called Alligator 2, The Mutation. No awards to speak of. <laughs> no Razzies or anything like that either. So um, I think that's probably expected. I think right. this movie flopped significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm showing a budget which of about is... 13 million dollars, and it made about four. Yeah, which so. is
1: uh, sad. I bet these people were like, "Oh yeah, spaceballs." They
0: go to this, and they're like, "Oh, what the hell?" Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, Mel Brooks has a specific yeah, reputation. He, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Raising he has Saddles other good movies and stuff like that. These are all good, like parody type movies, and that's not what you're getting here. Yeah so i guess on to true crime of pop culture
1: okay so this movie was released the same day as vi warshawski which we talked about a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and that true crime i already talked about which was Wee herman yeah and then i was gonna talk about what Jeffrey Tambor was up to, but I'm not in the mood. (laughs) You can Google it if you want to. Uh, I mean, maybe he's in one other 1991 movie, and I just, yeah, I didn't want to talk about that because I also talked about what Gerard Depardieu was up to and a I was like ago, yeah. yeah a couple episodes ago and I was like I am not in the mood to talk about another horrible human being right now. I was started to look for other TV stuff so I looked up what was on late night that night And we were lucky enough to find YouTube videos of Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Mm -hmm. And then we also were able to find another YouTube, a small clip of the David Letterman show for July 26, 1991. So we watched those. And the guests for the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was Susan Sarandon. Talking about, Talking about Thelma and Louise. yeah, Thelma and Louise, which it's they didn't give too much spoilers.
0: No, they, I mean talk shows don't typically give spoilers. They I want know entice people to go see the movie, so they did show a clip which I think was
1: taken cut out. yeah because I mean, we didn't show like the, the
0: front in the beginning or the front and the end of the clip, but it seemed like dialogue was cut out of the the scene that they showed. Yeah, on YouTube the YouTube. Purposes. Yeah,
1: and the uh musical guest was Lyle Lovett he sang this song called Friend of the Devil which is a cover of a Grateful Dead song
0: he did two songs
1: his second song was called Once is Enough I know nothing about Lyle Lovett besides him marrying Julia Roberts that's all I know I don't know anything about his music I never really listened to it
0: no I never, never cared either way um, I was honestly I mean, surprised that it was in the YouTube video.
1: Yeah, him singing. Yeah. Because, yeah, for when we watch SNL and Peacock, they usually take out the musical guests. Yeah,
0: and like a lot of that stuff gets copyright flagged, but maybe because it's like a live performance and not a direct copy of the studio album, it got through. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. Um, I mean, I didn't mind the songs, they were kind of just usual... country ballad type... Folky... Side... Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, and then he also talked... He got interviewed briefly as well afterwards and was talking, talking about, about how he was going to be in uh, Robert Altman's The Player. And that's was, where he met Julia Roberts. Oh, on the set of that? Yeah. In 1992? Yep. So, evidently shot in 1991, so that's where their love bloomed. And then the third guest... The
1: third guest is this entomologist and professor he's like a bee expert called his name is dr norman gary and i found his website and i went down a rabbit hole with this guy (laughs) this guy has been on a lot of tv spots all the way up to 2010 and in the episode on the Tonight Show, he talks about how he's like a professor of entomology at UC Davis. And on his website, it says that he retired in 1994 as a professor. Okay. And then on his website, it also shows that, you know, he has his own musical career, which they they show a little segment on the Tonight Show where he's in a little glass container with a bunch of bees playing like a clarinet putting like a
0: bee suit on and he tries to play some music yeah he's playing a
1: clarinet and there's bees all flying around him and stuff and people are like freaked out and whatever but he is in several bands like they're, they're like dixieland type bands he plays the clarinet alto sax tenor sax and flute and some of the band's names are you know. Play on words of Uh. like bee related things. One of them is a three piece band called Honeycomb, okay, a seven piece Dixieland band called the Bee's Knees, (laughs) and then he there's another one, he's in a German band, it's called the Sauerkrauts, which nothing to do with bees, but (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was funny.
0: Did you find any proof that he did he ever play with Lyle Lovett?
1: <laughs> no, uh, but he made fun
0: of like you know another connection was made. No, so
1: to- his TV spots he did a lot of you know stuff like on animal type shows like PBS type. Sure. Isn't this cool? Yeah, type. these are our friends, right? A lot of that thir- during the eighties and nineties. But then I noticed that he was an episode of MTV's Jackass.
0: Oh really? Okay.
1: It's episode number five. I don't know. It's called Bikini. So anything dealing okay. with bees, he was there. Yeah. He was also on the spinoff of Jackass, the show called Dr. Stevo. Did you ever watch that? No. It was there was like two spinoffs. It was the one with like Chris Pontius, the Wild Boys.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch that one either. I,
1: I watched that, but I never really was.
0: the thing. Was that considered a off? Like with his family? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess. Okay. But that wasn't really... That was just like him and his family. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Dr. Stevo was kind of... It's a show where it's like... It only lasted a season where it was just... Each episode was Stevo talking about certain things. It was kind of like a fear factor. It was okay. just like each episode
0: was like a scary thing that people are afraid of. And
1: he was in the B episode, <laughs> obviously.
0: Can I just quick? Side note, because I just learned this, like, hmm. recently, and I found it fascinating about Jackass. <laughs> I know it has nothing to do with 1991. Um, I learned that before Jack, uh, Jackass went on the air on MTV, Johnny Knoxville was offered, like, a recurring segment, like, a weekly segment on Saturday Night Live to do, like, either stunts or pranks or something like that. Like, oh. every single week is, like, a, you know, little thing, but Johnny Knoxville was, like, no, I'm gonna do the jackass show instead. Like, I'm gonna do so, my own thing, yeah. So, I just, so I mean, I don't go for either.
1: him, he's still like they're gonna make Jackass 4.
0: Yeah, I think it's coming out pretty soon. So,
1: and okay, catch, so catch that on the 2021 movie rewind podcast, right? Yeah, and some of the film, he was like a consultant for certain movies. So, any movie that had bees in it,
0: yeah, he just wants to be in the he was the man
1: there. And that included the movie Candyman, which is one of my favorites. Uh, (laughs) And then two 1991 movies. One, My Girl, which you haven't seen, but there's bees. I know about the bees
0: in it. Yep, I know about the bee aspect of it.
1: (laughs) And then the second was Fried Green Tomatoes, which there's a bee scene. Don't
0: know about the bees in that
1: one. But yeah, he was in anything that had to do with bees, he was the man.
0: He was King Bee.
1: So, yeah, this guy, I don't know, this guy was fascinating. <laughs> his name is Dr. Norman Gary, and we can probably put his website, or his
0: website on our website, yeah. <laughs> the link. There you go. So, that, yeah, that was the Johnny Carson. That thing. was The Tonight Show. If, so, if you didn't make it out to the movie theater to watch V.I. Yeah, Warshawski or Life Stings, up maybe you watched Johnny Carson. So we watched, short thing.
1: There, was, there was a YouTube video of that episode, and the guests were... Leslie Ann Warren was on it for like a minute. For a minute, yeah. It was so a they, weird minute.
0: So, yeah, they showed a little piece of the the July 25th episode where we don't know what guests were there, but the whole point of the YouTube video was to show Adam West's appearances both on the 25th and then um, just briefly, and then on the 26th as an actual guest. Mm-hmm. And on the 25th, Adam West and Leslie Ann Warren were taping an appearance... At this other like local talk show, New York local talk show called Live at Five, mm. and David evidently like this is a recurring segment where Letterman
1: David was Letterman.
0: like complaining that Live at Five always got better guests than him. Ah, okay. And so like he took That's, the page yeah. on the NBC floor and right. said, "Hey, who's on? Who's on tonight? Oh, Adam West and Le- Leslie Ann Warren. Okay, let's get them. You know, try yeah, to get them to them stop in, team. like yeah. wave to the audience and say hi and everything. And they and they both did.
1: Yeah, Leslie Ann Warren just said hi and yeah. then that was it. And then So there's you know, our connection, <laughs> there's our right. official connection. Yeah. I'm sure she was at live and fire. She's probably talking about Yeah, she's probably talking about this movie.
0: Could not find that on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Um and then, you know, we mostly watched the segment with Adam West and Adam West was talking about a TV show that he was going to be on. Yep. That was called Look Well. Look Well. And that is another quote busted pilot. Yeah. So this is a television pilot written and produced by Conan O'Brien and Robert Smigel. And it was it starred Adam West as like this washed up TV action hero. We mm-hmm. watched the episode that's also on YouTube. Yeah,
0: it's also on YouTube. Produced by Lorne Michaels as well. Cuz uh, both yeah, Smigel yeah. and O'Brien would have been uh SNL writers. SNL writers the time. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, a washed-up TV action hero. He's at the peak of his career. He's, like, ceremonially (laughs) deputized by local law enforcement. He falsely believes he can solve crimes in real life. Yeah. And then he has, like, a student who's played by Todd Field.
0: Yeah, so, like, uh, Lookwell is the name of the actor who, yeah, he he was a detective on a TV series, and now he thinks he can solve crimes in real life. Yeah. And, like, in the episode, he sort of, like, stumbles his way into sort of semi-helping the police catch the bad guy. Yeah, but not... Yeah, but not exactly. Like, he he has, like, you know, illusions of grandeur from being, you know, an actor and has high thoughts of himself. But, yeah. Interesting.
1: I mean, this... This episode developed like a cult following which it's it's only one episode. It's
0: one episode it was like aired I think just the once on NBC and yeah. it probably would have been picked up for a series if it had like better ratings or something because um, yeah we were talking about this before recording that you know like the busted pilots and everything like this is summertime right so this is like July where most yeah. of the time you'd have reruns and so NBC probably thought, well, we already spent the money to produce this pilot that we passed on, but we have nothing else to show, so let's just put it on the air and maybe it will stick. Like, maybe we were wrong, and, like, the audiences will connect with this pilot that we passed on, and then we'll order a series and people will be happy that it's coming back. That's probably what this type of stuff was, or what we saw on TGIF with the, the busted pilots is like, eh, we already paid the money, let's just put it on the air and right. see if it catches fire. We we're Crazy. Okay,
1: Todd Field, he directed.
0: That's little, what I wanted little. to say, but I didn't want to like, make myself sound but like he's
1: cool. also an actor, because I've seen yeah. his face in other things. He's he, he was he was the
0: taller guy in the class, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. He's he's in like other movies like Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah.
0: Lookwell enlists his class of acting students to help him do undercover work, quote unquote, um to try to catch these criminals doing stuff, but they're always making mistakes it's an interesting concept and I think if it had time to develop it probably could have been better you know just as a pilot it wasn't super super funny but it had it had some potential and promise there was like some goofball spots I liked the way Adam West was like really sort of like mugging to the camera at times and like you know doing like goofy gestures as he you know Mm -hmm. was you know entering and exiting the scenes and stuff so it could have been worse. It could have been better. It's you know it's the it's the life stinks of busted pilots. I guess. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, <laughs> he does he does flashes.
1: portray a homeless man in a small yes, segment he does. of the. Yes, that,
0: that was like the funniest part too. Yeah. Because he's like crashing like this uh, charity fundraiser for homeless, and he and he, uh, for the homeless, and he dresses up as a vagabond, and right. so he's like passing people. I was like, excuse me. Excuse me, out of my way. I'm eating out of trash cans and like <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, so that stuff's on YouTube. If you want to see what else is going on on July 26, 1991, you got that stuff. And Adam West will appear uh, in a 1991 movie called Maxim, I don't know how to pronounce it Maxim Zool. It's X U L. Maxim Zool? Ex- Maxim Soul? <laughs> Sure. (laughs) Probably Zool. (laughs) Normally X starting a word is Zool. Yeah. I don't know what it's about yet. On to rankings and ratings. So on your one to five star scale, where would you put Life Stinks?
1: I would give this a two.
0: I think I'm going to, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a two as well. I honestly don't think it's a bad movie. It's just not super funny. I mean, I like this
1: movie more than other people's money. Oh, for sure.
0: For sure, <laughs> yeah, like no doubt. Although I do like your idea of putting Danny DeVito in this movie to play Bolt slash Pepto. I think that would have been fun.
1: And call it other people's money, yeah. and just I don't, yeah, I mean yeah, combine those two.
0: Yeah, I think that would be good. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a two out of out of four stars as well. Yeah, I don't think it's a terrible movie at all, but
1: um, it's just not you know it's what you Millbrook's. expect.
0: Yeah, it's not Mel Brooks. Um, so every movie's worth watching once, would you watch it again?
1: uh sure, maybe with like a bunch of people or if there was like a midnight like if they did a Mel Brooks type of two fur type thing, mm. and this was a part of it, then yeah,
0: okay, I could see that i mean if if I'm given the choice between this and other Mel Brooks movies, then I'm definitely choosing. Other Mel Brooks movies. I think we all would, right? Um, But yeah, I can see that. But if someone
1: was like, "Hey, do you want to watch Life Stinks?" Uh, I'd be like,
0: "It's like, oh, we're gonna go through his entire work history over the course of you know a couple months. Right? You want to like join and yeah, that could be fun. Uh, But if you out there want to watch Life Stinks, as of this recording in June 2021, it's available on HBO Max, digital rental, VHS, DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. It really helps us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie rewind or go to 1991 rewind.com for the full list of 800-plus movies, such as Maxim Zuhl and more. Next week, we'll be watching Impromptu, which is on Tubi. Hoopla, Digital Rental VHS, and DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.